You are Locked On Suns, your daily Phoenix Suns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's episode of Locked On Phoenix Suns is brought to you by Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, and all the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com and tell them Locked On sent you. Bringing a dose of optimism here on today's episode of Locked On Phoenix Suns, we are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, and I am your host, Brendan Clean. I cover the Suns in the NBA at SB Nation and Dime Magazine. You can follow me on Twitter at BrendanClean14. You can also follow our show on Twitter at Locked On PHX Suns. And because it is a Monday, I am joined by Brandon. You know him as Zona. He is at AZ Sports Zone on Twitter. Brandon, how you doing? Are, are, is the sky falling for you? We're two losses in a row for the Suns for the first time in several months. Are you are you holding it together? Are you all right? <laughs> yeah, it's just uh, you know the sky is still intact for me at this point. Um, nothing's falling. I think they're they're just fine. You know they they dropped to forty two and eighteen on the season, and you know <laughs> some Suns fans have to just remind themselves where they are now. Just like look at that number and like. Two months ago, if you're complaining about that, you'd probably slap yourself in the face. So let's just relax a little bit. Um, sky's not falling. They're going to be just fine. This is just a typical, tough, late-season road trip against some of the best teams in the NBA. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not concerned at all. This hasn't changed any any like way that I viewed them at all throughout the season. So I'm chilling what- What's funny to me is you you talked you just said the record, which is a good thing to slip in from time to time so people can understand where we are. But it's funny because I look at the box score and it shows the other team's record that they played today, which was the Brooklyn Nets. And as as far as I'm calculating, the Suns uh, have a better record than the Nets. So I'm not saying they're yep. fully a better team. I'm not saying any of that. I'm just saying that let's keep that in perspective as well. The Suns are still... Um, one of the best records in the entire league, let alone still keeping hold of that two seed. So we're going to talk about that Nets game uh, a little bit more in detail right here. We're going to get to our overall thoughts on the road trip with just the Knicks game remaining. And then we'll uh, we'll bust out a new segment at the end of the show called What's the Rule? It's a game. I'm going to embarrass myself. I'm going to see how much I can get Brandon to laugh at me in my knowledge of sports rules. So stay tuned for that at the end. Um, but let's get into this. Let's get into this Nets game because the Suns were in it for most of the night. Uh, It it kind of fell apart in the fourth quarter a little bit. Really, once Steve Nash realized that he could just play Kevin Durant normal minutes instead of being uh, weird and not playing him in the first quarter, things started to turn. But uh, what were your takeaways from this one? And uh, why why are you not worried? Because it was you know, a nine point loss. It didn't feel close for most of the fourth quarter. I get why some Suns fans would be a little disappointed. Why are you not worried? And and what did you make of the game? Yeah. So it kind of had that feel early on of like one of those, I I tweeted this out. It just felt like one of those classic back and forth, like ESPN battles that was going to go down to the last possession. Um, It didn't turn out that way. Brooklyn just kind of turned it up a notch and the Suns struggled from three. Um, And, you know, just, that's kind of just how Brooklyn operates. Like whenever they're in that flamethrower mode with Kyrie and KD, those are two, I would say probably just individually 
on an island. Like those are the two most difficult covers in the league and they're on the same team and James Harden didn't even play. So just kind of tells you um, when Brooklyn wants a walking two points, (laughs) right? I mean, yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. So, I mean, Brooklyn's just built like that to where they, I feel like this entire regular season has just been like a, a rehearsal, like a rehearsal for them. And once the playoffs start and they actually try to win games, it's going to be, they're going to be a buzzsaw. And Suns kind of ran into a little bit of that there late in the game. And uh, yeah, I mean, they're, they're on the, the road. Like I said, this is their, um, what is this? Their fourth game on the road um, mm-hmm. out of five and they have the next game uh, today. I guess, uh, yep. since we're recording here on Sunday. Uh, but yeah, I think, you know, that's kind of, you have to compartmentalize like regular season and playoffs. And this, to me, this road trip is not going to translate to a playoff series because at the most, you're just going to play two games on the road. You're going to be rested and you're going to be game plan for that team. So uh, I'm just still thinking big picture. There's nothing that stood out to me that's been like, yeah, this is going to hurt them in the playoffs. It's just kind of, you know, just over the course of the season, you hit these stretches, the best teams do. And, you know, I'm talking like they've lost like five in a row. They've lost two in a row (laughs) after two very good wins. So I think uh, they're they're still in very good shape. Well, hey, with the the loss or the wins against Milwaukee and Philadelphia, which we'll give our our bigger picture thoughts on in the next segment, there was so much – um, like I, I'm seeing people getting in arguments over Devin Booker and how loyal are you to this team as a fan? And you would have thought that they lost those two rather than beating the other top two seeds in the, in, in the East, aside from Brooklyn prior to this game. So yeah, this, this one is a bump in the road. I would say for me, the, the only big picture, I don't even want to call it a negative necessarily, but it's something to be gleaned from this game is, Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant can score in any situation at the end of a game to, you know, get offense for their team. I don't know if the Suns have more than one of that player. And I guess the only real thing that I came away worried about, if you would even call it that, was Chris Paul. And if if he is that type of player when his pull-up three isn't falling. And two of five looks good, but there were a couple where Blake Griffin was out there on him and defended him really well. Uh, I think, you know, maybe some other guys as well, where Paul, he relies on making that pull-up three off of a switch when when an opponent switches onto him a big man. And if that doesn't fall, then he starts to be taken off of the list for me of who can go get you a bucket late in a game. It becomes really only Devin Booker. And so, again, that's a situation where is there any team besides Brooklyn that really poses a challenge where you are so outmanned in that context? I don't know. I Probably not. I Even the Clippers, they really only have two of those guys. The Lakers have two of those guys. I don't even know if the Jazz have more than one themselves. So, I don't know how much of an issue it is outside of playing the Nets and the Suns wouldn't have to do that until they made the finals. And look, if the Suns got swept in the finals by the Nets, I would throw a parade. So I I don't even think it's worth worrying about really, but it is, it is something uh, to keep in mind, but I wanted to, let's just throw out some positivity here. Just say 
good things about the Suns team that can wash away the worries of Suns fans. Just, it doesn't even have to be related to this game, just positive sentences about the Suns. And, and maybe we can close out the segment that way. Devin Booker, 36 points on 24 shots. He's back. <laughs> that one was um, about this game and you wouldn't have known it from looking on Twitter at all during it. Right. Um, Deandre and eight offensive re- or yeah, eight offensive rebounds. Eight. Um, the Nets had 11 as a team. So, I mean, DeAndre, when he plays like that, like he did everything you could really ask for, like from him. And they could have used, obviously, I'm not going to use like any injury excuses at all because Brooklyn didn't have Harden. It's not comparable at all. But Jay Crowder would have helped a lot at just giving them another body to kind of throw at Durant. No one can guard him, but you just have to try to make him not like being on the court as much as you can. And Jay Crowder, someone that can kind of do that a little bit. Um, Tory Craig played incredible. Like again, we've I feel like I say this every time I'm on the show, but just thank you, Milwaukee. Um, yeah, that's those are some positives I'll just sprinkle in. Yeah, and I'll say to to top off my point from a moment ago about Chris Paul. Last year in the playoffs, the dude made damn near every pull-up three he took. Ask Robert Covington about if Chris Paul's pull-up threes go down off of switches in the playoffs. And I think you'll you'll probably get some sort of having to like blot his tears away. And then he might answer you and say yes, because it happened over and over and over and over when OKC played Houston in the play in the first round last year. And Chris Paul almost won that series pretty much by himself. Him and Lou Dort almost took down the Rockets. So uh, I'm not worried about it. This team still has Chris Paul, and he's really good at basketball. So that's my positive sentence. But Craig is a perfect segue to our next segment because when we're talking about this road trip, four games in here, 80% of the way done, I think a huge positive to me has to come in the form of Craig. So we'll talk about him right after this. First, today's show is brought to you by Indeed. Indeed is the job site that makes hiring as easy as one, two, three. All you have to do is post, screen, and interview, and you can do it all on Indeed. Get your quality shortlist of candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job description faster, only pay for the candidates that meet your must-have qualifications, and schedule and complete video interviews straight from your Indeed dashboard. Indeed makes connecting with and hiring the right talent fast and easy. With tools like Indeed Instant Match and Indeed Skills Tests, you can identify quality candidates whose resume fits your job description immediately, and reduce hiring time by 20% on average. You can choose from more than 130 skills tests, then add your must-have requirements in there so you only pay for applications that meet them. According to Talent Nest, Indeed delivers four times more hires than all the other job sites combined. So if you're hiring, you need Indeed. Get started right now with a free $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com locked. Get a $75 credit at Indeed.com slash locked indeed.com slash locked offer valid through June 30th terms and conditions apply today's show also brought to you by built bar made my way through my churro marshmallow pack yes I'm teasing they're not even available yet they're delicious though be on the lookout for that but as I've been telling you guys not only is built bar the best tasting protein bar ever not only are they all covered in 100% chocolate easy to chew not that chalky brick that you're used to when you pick up a protein bar but my favorite flavor I've ever tried of Bilt Bar is available for sale for you guys right now. Coconut Brownie Chunk. It tastes basically like an Almond Joy, but it's a protein bar. 
very low sugar. I believe five grams might even be four. And yet somehow they find a way to pack little brownie bites in there and make it taste just like a candy bar. It's delicious. It gets you the protein you need. And it has all of the natural stuff that you want to put in your body. It's not too sugary. It's not filled with corn syrup or any of that stuff. It's perfect. It's it, it's keto friendly. It's, it's really whatever diet you want. Cause I've told you guys the ingredients I've told you guys the nutrition facts. So try it for yourself. Go to beltbar.com. Use the promo code locked 15 to get 15% off your next order. Again, use the promo code locked 15 for 15% off at beltbar.com. Okay. Takeaways from the whole road trip, Brandon, I think we have to start with Tori Craig. You were already talking him up there. So I will just piggyback right off of you because, um, Agreed that the trade looks really bad for the Bucks, especially. Look, it was one thing when it was PJ Tucker, and we don't have to relitigate the trade. The Bucks are doing fine, but it was one thing when it was just PJ Tucker that they were trying to make room for. The fact that they somehow needed, felt that they needed to add Jeff Teague into the mix here, and still uh, didn't feel like keeping Tory Craig was was reasonable. It makes it all the more embarrassing for them. So that is that. But in terms of what he's done for the Suns, I mean. I think number one, and I wrote about this at Bright Side of the Sun, like Craig has earned the trust of the coaching staff and his teammates to be a legitimate counterpunch to when teams play small against the Suns. And I found myself this week wanting him more in that role. And that's not something I'm used to. That's not something we've used, we're used to seeing from Monty Williams. I think that this guy's playing so well, has earned that trust and I think that 30 minute or so range, yes, Jay Crowder will come back. Yes, Dario Saric will come back, but we've seen Craig be the most, get the most minutes off the bench lately. I don't think that's going anywhere. Yeah, no, I think this is, uh, it's very real with Craig because like the stuff he's doing, it's, it's still just what's always made him, you know, who he is just doing the dirty work and playing hard, you know, fighting for, for loose balls just being in the right spot defensively. So for me with Craig, I mean, his, his pathway to just being an NBA wing or like a bigger forward is, has always been pretty clear. Just a low maintenance guy that's going to produce for you. And he's someone I think the sun should definitely bring back um, looking towards the future. Um, it, it would, it would very much surprise me if they were not uh, interested in trying to get him back on a multi-year deal because he just seems like the ultimate you know, James Jones guy, um, as far as just the type of guys he wants in the locker room and to build the culture, he, he just fits the build to a T. And I, you know, I was high on this, you know, signing from the start. Um, it's gone better than I expected, obviously with, you know, how he shot the ball and he's, he's shown some flashes of, uh, making ex- like excellent cuts off the ball. So, you know, if he, if he's useful on offense, then, you know, combine that with all the, uh, the defensive versatility you're getting in hustle and he becomes a very valuable player that will play in the playoffs. Yeah. Tell me, tell me that like what I'm trying to temper my expectations with, I feel like he looks to me to fit in this, t- this situation with the Suns even better than he did with Denver. Um, just, I think a lot of it is that the Suns just run a little more typical, like traditional pick and roll. And I think, him in the corner, him as a cutter, him as an offensive rebounder. That stuff's just a little easier with the way that the Suns operate. Maybe that's some of it, but we saw that Craig got to the playoffs last year and 
The Lakers kind of played him off the floor. Are you optimistic that he can do a little more come the postseason, or do you think that the the Suns will eventually have to kind of sacrifice him to the floor spacing gods a little bit and, and get him out of the rotation once really, really things get tight and you need to have shooters at every position? Yeah, so the cop-out answer is obviously it's, it's matchup dependent. Um, but in most cases, I, I actually do feel comfortable with him like playing in those critical moments of the game. And, you know, one difference I would say between the Suns and Nuggets is just the shooting on the wing that the Suns can compliment him with, with, you yeah, know, Cam call. or Mikhail or Jay Crowder. So I think that, and then you factor in just the backcourt and the creation that Paul and Booker can do. It, it makes a tour. You can kind of take that sacrifice of, you know, Craig's not going to, he's not some kind of offensive you know, creator or anything like that, but yeah, Craig was uh, playing next to what, like Paul Millsap and Gary Harris a lot of the time last year. That's, that's exactly. pretty ugly in terms of space. So, yeah. Yeah. So um, with Harris and Millsap and guys like that, that are, they're kind of stagnant in, in your offense a little bit and um, rely on other people. And the Suns have a lot of pieces that kind of mesh well with someone like Craig. So I just think it's a better, it's a better fit, and uh, especially with the lob threat of Aiton, I think, too, kind of gives them a different look than, than Jokic, who's, you know, I, I do like his fit next to Jokic, uh, Craig, and I think they played well with each other as like a small ball four and, and five duo, but just collectively in Phoenix, I think you've already seen just kind of how seamlessly he fits and everything. It's, it's not forced, and he just knows how to play his role to a T, and there's value in that in the playoffs. Do you buy into this idea that he's the best trade deadline acquisition in the league among contenders? Suns fans have willed this into existence and I don't want to rain on their parade. I'm willing to hear the argument for it, but uh, it feels like that's a little bit of an aggressive stance on the Craig trade. What do you think? So it depends on what your definition of that is. I would say for, for value, as far as giving up assets and just getting someone for free like that, I would say, Yes. Um, okay. But that as far as like with. just that, I can agree with. Yeah. But as far as like pure, like just this guy's going to get, get us over the hump or this guy's, you know, the, the key to the, the championship, I'm not going to go that far. Um, but I will say, I think just getting him for free is still ridiculous. And it's something that good teams will often do like year after year. They, they kind of stumble into these guys um, like in the buyout market. And the Suns were just in the right place at the right time. They had an opportunity. And I remember even the day they uh, added Craig, there was some people on on Twitter saying, you know, he's not going to have a role in Phoenix. There's not going to be minutes for him. And I completely disagree just looking at, you know, um, at the time, Nader and Kaminsky were a major part of the rotation. So he's taken that that gap and, and run away with that job. And I think it's going to stay that way for the foreseeable future. I think you're probably right. What else you got from this road trip? What stuck out to you? Um, just, you know, I think the Bucks and Philly games really showed that when it comes down to it in games that are close, you know, gutting out those wins, those are the playoff takeaways I'll take from this road trip, not losing a game like this, you know, and it's not even that I'm trying to be like positive or optimistic. It's just, you look for certain things whenever it's a there's like obstacles in the way on a road trip. 
Um, and I think they answer those punches early. And for me, you know, if they lost a tight game to Brooklyn and there's some execution issues down the line, that would probably be more like troubling than them just, you know, not being able to guard Kyrie and KD. Like that happens. Um, and I think you made a really good point just saying Brooklyn, you know, for me, it's like Brooklyn's a, a later problem. Like if the Suns have to deal with that in the playoffs, it means they made the finals. So sign me up for that problem. Um, that's something I'm not even, it's not really on my radar. I think the Western conference matchups are much more important. So yeah, for me, the Brooklyn game, uh, really nothing too concerning or anything like that. Um, but those first two games, I think especially just like brought out the best of them. Yeah. I've said it already, but recapping those games and, but this, this Brooklyn game was just another example. No, they did not win it, but they were very competitive, obviously. And I, what it shows me is it felt a little bit like the Clippers game earlier in the month where they're, you know, they just kind of got out gunned at the end of a crazy part of their schedule. I think, I think they're pretty similar. So I'm looking forward to the Clippers game this week where we can get another test. Cause that's another team that'll switch and play small and all that stuff. Um, but like staying competitive in this one and beating Milwaukee and Philly, those are all three very different teams. They play differently. They pose different matchup problems. You have one night where Aiton's guarding Giannis, then he's guarding Embiid. And then he's, kind of trying to will it force his will against the DeAndre Jordan or Blake Griffin. So that, you know, that in and of itself, what Aiton had to do every night exemplifies how different this all was. And the Suns were able to win or be very competitive in each of those. That's so key to me that, that they're even within this crazy regular season schedule and all of that, they can adjust and adapt like that. Cause that's going to be so important, not only within, uh, you know, playoff series to playoff series, but even game to game within one series, because teams are they all, all they have to worry about is you, right? And it becomes a lot harder. So I think that's really important and, and something that's that's really positive to see. Um, and I I don't think that changes because they lost by a few points to Brooklyn. I think that showed where they handled a lot of that switching pretty well. They were able to let Aiton do his thing, and he was so good in the first half. So still a lot of positive signs from this one, even if it was an L compared to earlier in the week. Um, okay. That'll round us off there for our thoughts on the games. We'll come back with a new segment. We'll see how it goes. We might have to, we might have to keep bringing it back. If you guys have any suggestions, we'll be open to those as well. We'll do that right after a quick break. One quick word from betonline.ag, which is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football is over, of course. The draft is here, though. There's plenty of prop bets to place on the NFL draft, but you also have the NBA, NHL, and MLB all in full swing, and BetOnline has you covered for all of it. The news, scores, and odds that you need to be informed, as well as updated odds and props to make your bet. Best of all, BetOnline is absolutely free to sign up. So head to the website at betonline.ag or use your mobile device Make an account today and use the promo code locked on all one word when you make your first deposit to get a 50% welcome bonus. That's right, free money. Head to the website, use your mobile device, make an account, and use the promo code locked on when you make your first deposit to get a 50% welcome bonus at betonline.ag. Betonline, your online sportsbook experts. Okay, let's lay out the rules here. Um, I came up with this sort of on the fly, and I'll tell you guys as we get to it, which rule 
made me think of playing this game on the show. And I felt like you were the right person for it, Brandon. I feel like we know each other well enough from doing these now that we can, that we can let, let loose a little bit. So the idea is we're all sports fans. Obviously you and I are big NBA fans and we fancy ourselves analysts here on the show, but I personally feel like even the most adamant and, and diehard sports fans have some parts of their favorite sport or any of the other sports they like that they straight up do not understand and might even go so far as to like kind of pretend like they do when they're talking about it, but that in their heart, their heart of hearts have absolutely no idea. Do you, is this a thing that, that I'm right about? Do you feel like there's things where people just kind of yada yada over the rule, but they really have no idea, even if they like the game? Oh yeah, no, it's certainly a very real thing that exists. And I think there's just some rules people just don't care enough to, to dive in, to learn about, and they'll just kind of go with the flow and just say, just like kind of nod their head when someone brings it up and and go on with their day. Okay. So the game is called what's the rule. And we're basically just going to compete to see, I I guess we're going to get worse as we go. If we're willing to admit these things to each other, I don't know how many you have. I was embarrassed how many I quickly came up with. I'll eventually tell you which one I, like I said, prompted that we should do this game. But here's a perfect example that I actually do get now, but didn't for a long time. And I'll tell you how I figured it out. So the rule that I didn't have any concept of how it worked, even having covered live NBA games for a couple of years prior to learning this was the NBA timeout structure. Like when are there automatic timeouts? you know, TV timeouts, mandatory timeouts. It's different in college than the NBA. Am I, is this unique to me? That's a good one. Okay. Like, can you tell me when all the automatic timeouts are in an NBA game off the top of your head? No, but what I can tell you is I know there is six timeouts per team. Four of them have to be used just due to commercial rights. Um, So if they don't use like those four timeouts, I think they have to have at least one heading into the fourth, but yeah, if they don't use that, then like the rest will just, there's just like an official timeout for a commercial break, basically. Okay. I hate to say this, but this proves my point exactly because I'm on dunker3.com and it says here in the NBA, both teams get seven charge timeouts. Well, (laughs) see, see exactly. Okay. And each timeout lasts one minute and 15 seconds. I don't think I knew that. If a team ends up going to overtime, both teams are given the opportunity to call two more. Okay. It is also worthwhile to note that in the fourth quarter, a team is limited to only four timeouts and two after the three-minute mark. So the two after the three-minute mark thing, what I was going to say, how I learned that is through NBA 2K. I had no idea that that, that you lost them and all that three with the three-minute mark until 2K because then I would try to call them and I would realize I lost them. Uh, just playing the game. So there we go. This this is the concept. I embarrass myself. Do you have something for us here? It doesn't have to be NBA related, but I just wanted to set the stage since this is an NBA podcast without. Yeah. So mine is kind of, it's sort of a rule, but also like a concept that's just annoyed me for so long. And it's just, you know, refs deciding like every, like every, all the contact in the world is foul. And randomly there's moments where they'll let stuff go. So like, what is a foul and what isn't and why can't there be contact? Like it, I feel like it's just getting worse and worse too. Like there's, 
anytime someone falls or, or makes contact and like I get the block charge rule, obviously that's you have to establish yourself. But I, what I'm talking about is just plays just throughout the game where like you're you're driving, you know, baseline or you know, making a move on the perimeter and there's contact and someone falls. The refs just feel like they have to call everything. And I just cannot stand it. Um, you know, when when you first threw this idea at me, I was like just getting angry thinking about how every every sort of contact is a foul. And then uh you mentioned, you know, when, whenever there's not a foul called on contact, it's it's a shocker. And then you'll just hear the announcers kind of say, Oh, they're letting them play tonight. Like it's, yeah, it's yeah, some as crazy if that's thing. like the, the wild, yeah, the this big decision that was made by the officials. No, I think this is a good one because it's it's like a frustration for you, but I feel like it belies an entire truth about NBA fans, which is that when it comes to like collision and contact, I mean, part of it, like you're saying, is well, it's because the NBA doesn't do a very good job and, and has a lot of work to do to reconceptualize what it is that this rule book will look like in the modern game. But I don't think many NBA fans have like a full concept of what does and does not qualify as a foul. Like we're pretty good at, at the basket stuff, like you were saying, but I think there's, there's a whole other, like the, the foul today on Tory Craig in the fourth quarter. I don't know if you remember that one, the, the illegal screen. What the, I mean, yeah. <laughs> it's just, it just, so it just looked like a screen. It was just a screen. Yeah. And it's just so murky. And I think the NBA just knows if they clarify those rules, those last two minute reports are just going to become novels. So <laughs> they're just like trying, I don't know. It's, there's just so much under the radar and I'm just going to go back to the deep state NBA and doing its thing. And that's what okay, I'll take. Craig. You know what? I'm going to take back what I said earlier. There is one thing that concerned me in this road trip and that's just the way the Suns are officiated against teams of yeah. stars. Um, even just against teams at their level or worse. It's, it seems like there's consistent issues with Booker and Nathan specifically. Um, if they're not getting respect from the refs, that, that's something that's definitely going to be noteworthy in a playoff series. Because, um, man, DeAndre gets slapped more than anyone I've ever seen. And then on the other end, he'll do the same thing and refs will call those tic-tac fouls. So well, that's, it's, a, that's it's, another contact thing kind of that ties yeah. into my rant, but that's a little bit different. Yeah, well, and it goes it goes back to what we were talking about with Booker, right? Which is like, if if it is true that there's going to be nights where Booker is sort of the end-all be-all in terms of late game creation for this team, then he has to get calls. I mean, there's no way to get great offense for an entire five minute crunch time if you're not going to get to the free throw line. Right. So um, that that's for sure. That was a lot of discussion and uh, good to mention. I have a few more NBA ones and it actually is similar to this. So the other one, and I feel like being relatively young where I was like, growing up during the time when this stuff was actually happening, I think I can be granted a little bit of leeway, but illegal defense and hand checking rules. That's like something where it gets brought up in discussion about NBA history. And I, I, I think my brain kind of shuts off when those words happen. Cause I do not, I could not explain the rules to you on that stuff at all. Is that, is that fair? It's been a long time since it was in place. I think I can get some credit, but I can't be the only one either. Yeah, so it's kind of like out of sight, out of mind because it's not relevant to like the present. So things like that, especially like past rules, I could, I think it's reasonable to not 
you know, like you acknowledge it, but you just don't like dive into it. Um, yeah. Cause there's a lot of people I feel like who will be, Oh, you know, well, ever since the illegal defense rules change and I kind of just nod, Oh yeah, it's a lot different now. I don't, but I don't, I don't know why I couldn't tell you that that changed something specific. I don't, I just kind of agree because I think that that's what we all understand now, but I, I, I don't, I couldn't write you a, like an essay on why that's the case. I genuinely don't know. See, um, I probably could just because okay. I did some, I did some film study on some like old school defenders, like some of the best defenders back in the day. And just seeing the stuff that like, good Lord, the stuff they're able to get away with back then would be like murder, like in today's <laughs> NBA, like they'd be suspended. Somebody would be yeah, I mean, kicked out of the league. Yeah. So um, and that, that's like in limited, like, you know, I watched some like Gary Payton film and, mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Just seeing, you know, like comparing that to like how Drew Holiday defends today. It's Drew Holiday is a great on ball defender, but you know, he's, he can't do the things that Payton was allowed to do. So like, oh yeah, if Drew, that's just I mean, one example. Whew, that's a perfect example. If Drew Holiday could play that physically, he'd be mauling people. He's so strong. Yeah. So, I mean. That's why it's so tough to compare eras too. Um, I like how this has turned into a completely different side discussion, but uh, if but you're yeah, ready, think, if you're ready, I have the one that made me that prompted this entire thing. Let's hear it. Okay. So are you a college football fan? Yeah. Okay. So I'm not like huge on it. Cause I grew up here and I went to ASU and they're never given me much of a reason to care. Um mm. Like in a big way, like we've had our blips, but like I'm not living in SEC country where it's like a a religious holiday once a week, right? So I don't understand college football over time. I love it. I enjoy watching it. I I think it's more entertaining than the NFL overtime rules, but I literally, I, I would like, I could probably get a couple of sentences in trying to break it down for you if you asked me to. You know what? That's funny. Like I'm probably the same as far as like my fandom for college football, like I'm into it. I'm not like a diehard by any means. Um, but for me, my knowledge on that rule just kind of goes like every time I'm watching an overtime game, I just Google what the overtime rules are. Yeah, and exactly. Like, See? And then I, and then I just kind of remember it for like, like a day. And then, you know, four weeks later, there's another overtime game I'm watching. I'm like, huh, how do these rules work? And I'll just Google it again. So I, I definitely it feel should, that if one. it's that complicated, it shouldn't be that way. You shouldn't have to be reminded if you watch the sport once a week for four months a year and it's still like novel every time. That's too complicated. Yeah. The first time I ever heard about the college football overtime rules was did you do you remember the the Rose Bowl between Stanford and Oklahoma State when Stanford when Andrew Luck went to Stanford and it was Justin Blackman and whatever uh, yeah. that 27 year old rookie court Brandon Whedon? That yep. Rose Bowl that went to overtime and lasted forever. And I was like a kid watching being like, I don't remember how old I was probably not even a kid, but I was sitting there like, why is this thing lasting for so long? And it clearly did not sink in. Yeah, no, I think that's a good one. Um, and you'd probably be like, I mean, we're, we both admitted we're probably closer to the casual end of like college yeah. football fans. So I'm sure there's going to be some, diehard college football fan listeners like well actually okay but then if it's if they're listening to this podcast there's an odd there's like an off chance that they are like a casual nba fan and then in their the the back of their mind they're sitting there realizing like crap i like i don't know how many like free throws it is when somebody fouls out 
like they're sitting there not knowing a common NBA rule. So I, I don't, I don't want to yeah. hear about the college football. I didn't start so locked on Sundays, right? <laughs> I don't do that podcast for a reason. Okay. The last one I had is ERA in baseball. Does anybody know how that is calculated? I, I, so I don't know exactly how it's calculated, but I know like, so I used to play fantasy baseball and basically taught like every time I see like how many innings and like earn runs I have, I pretty much have like, like in my head, just memorize, like that's what their ERA is. Don't exactly have it to a T. I know I've, I've learned it at some point. I just can't kind of explain it to you like verbally. Is that all? Right. Cause it's not just earned runs divided by innings or something like that or, or, or vice versa. Right. There's like other parts to it. Yeah. I'm or is sure. it just it's like, that it's simple? Probably, it's probably like deeper than that, but like, you know, I mean, uh, an example would be like, you know, nine innings pitched one earned run is I'm probably going to say it's wrong now that I'm like saying it out loud without double checking it, but nine innings, uh, one earned run, I believe is just a one ERA. Okay, I have it here. The MLB.com glossary of, st- of standard stats. That's just rude. Okay. Uh, nine times the earned runs over the innings pitched. So you use the number of total innings times that fraction. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. We reference right. that so, so often that it should be more commonly known. That's my point. Like we all yeah. are like, oh, what's what's Madison Bumgarner's ERA this year? And we're all, oh wow, that's so high, it's so low. And then yeah. like nobody, nobody knows what we're talking about when we say that. For yeah, me, it's it's just used. Yeah, like I'll see like six innings pitched, like two earned runs. That's a three ERA. And I just like know that, but I don't know how I know that. It's just like I don't know. It's weird. Okay. So this one seems like it might just be me, but maybe it's because I didn't play fantasy baseball. Um, okay, we'll have to add more. I want to hear from you guys. Brandon, you're going to have to bear more of your soul here. I, I gave you like five. I, I've poked holes in my own sports fandom and people right, are not going to want to come one. back to this for analysis. I feel like I'm I'm like, my reputation is damaged. You got you to gotta come back next week with a couple. You know, I'll drop one right now, but it's a different sport and it's more like, it's kind of a mixture of a hot take. And uh, okay, just, I don't, I just don't get why it's, a thing um it's probably gonna i'm gonna get some heat for this for sure but offsides like in soccer, in soccer and hockey yeah like why is that a thing i think it just rewards the defense for being lazy um ban offsides and i already know well, i don't gonna be it's gonna trigger people i i know <laughs> i have some good oh. friends that are like diehard soccer fans so that'll you know it's one of those old school rules that is tradition so i'm just gonna Not ruffle fully some understanding soccer pisses soccer fans off yeah yeah, no, I, I'm just, you know, I think in hockey is more the thing where I'm just like, you know, I, I'm not into hockey that much, but that's another one where I'm just, that would be one I could come up with like a, a PDF of all the things I don't know about. So, oh yeah, I, I, I've, I joke with people like I, for somebody who like literally I, my, my job is to produce sports content in various capacities. I, I know like upsettingly little about hockey, like to the point where if I turn on a game, I genuinely cannot follow the game. That's how little yeah. I know about hockey. So I will that, say that's, that's like a whole are, other can of worms. Yeah. 
Hockey games are very fun to go to, though. Go to Coyotes game if you can. Um, and I would say watching those games live helps a lot. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm, I'm right there with you. Okay. All right. That, that was a good one. Offsides is a good one. I don't on in soccer. I don't get how the referees decide where to stop to where they hold the flag up to make the offsides line. I, I, that's part of, I, I get the rule. I understand the concept. I know you don't want to let people just, you know, get the length of the pitch and get the ball and, and, and whatever, but I don't know how that's determined where the line is set. So, okay. That'll close us off. Please send us your favorite or I guess least favorite because it's pretty embarrassing to at locked on PHX Suns or to me or Brandon individually. Let us know what embarrassing story you have, what what sports rule you do not understand. And we'll have to bring it back next week. We'll give you a week to think about it, Brandon. But that'll close us out today. Uh, do not be too upset about the Suns game, folks. Please um, enjoy these. Again, they have a better record than the team you're upset that they just lost to. So please keep that in mind. And I think they'll be the next night. So we'll be back right after the buzzer of that game to recap it all for you. And uh, a lot of good games this week. Jazz and Clippers coming up as well. Enjoy.